What's up, people? Welcome to a brand new edition of Wrestle Update, and it's you got a two-parter this weekend because it just so happened magically. There was no way that it was determined in advance, but some way, somehow, both WWE and AEW will have pay-per-views this weekend. So you are tuned in right now to part one of our coverage of the pay-per-views going on, or PLEs as they are known now to our new school fans out there. Uh, this is covering WWE's Night of Champions and covering WWE and the great PLE that we have here to talk about the setting, the drama, the spectacle of it all. Scott, so great to have you here. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I get to do at least one of these this weekend. I'll have I'll be reviewing uh, Double or Nothing elsewhere, and that's kind of the way AEW pay-per-views will go. But yeah, WWE pay-per-views are always on the table and I'm very excited to talk about this show. I think I think at the end of the day if you look at the whole card it's a thumbs up as opposed to a thumbs down. Uh but it's very fitting of what a WWE pay-per-view can be at its best and worst times. And we'll get to it. We'll get to it. I think uh overall a good show though and I'm kind of jazzed up about it. So I'm happy happy we're kicking right into it as as soon as the show ended. Yeah, that's exactly right. Literally, it ended like five minutes ago. <laughs> we're, we're recording now, so uh, it's good to have you. But, but let me just take a step back for a second. Let me, let me dust those shoulders off of yours, man. L- listen to this, man. He's got contractual obligations to fulfill right now. Uh, but yeah, uh, me, uh, I'm going to do bring on my friend from my show on uh, his network, <laughs> by the way, uh, Dramatic Dream Dragons, uh, Sandre Bjorn. We're going to talk about AEW uh, on the next episode, so it's going to come hit you fast and furious pretty much with these. So AEW is going to be covered. Scott, you've got your contractual obligations. No problems there. But with WWE, you you had to tune in. You had to come in for Night of Champions from Saudi Saudi Uh, Arabia here. You know, the interesting about, right, the Saudi Arabia shows, they're such a mixed bag because honestly – the, the the good part about them is they're during the day uh, for us here in America. The bad part of them, about, obviously, is the sports-washing aspect of it um, that, you know, it's been detailed for years now. I don't really need to get into it. Uh, but this this show, and I think really for the past couple of shows that they've had over there now, they've really improved in overall content and I think that has to do with not only, you know, kind of the fans there getting to fully appreciate it, it just feels like it's a little bit more laxed in a good way, but WWE is giving them worthy cards, right? This is uh the first time over there since we had Roman Reigns and Logan Paul in the main event, which I thought was a great main event, and now we're here with the triple main event uh show. Three women's matches. Uh a lot has changed since that first match. Yeah, absolutely. The the first show, I mean, the first one was pretty rough, and definitely what you said about the sports watching. Like I said, we don't have to get super in-depth into it, but, you know, whatever is going on with the governments, 
the regular fans of Saudi Arabia have definitely like really I agree with what you said. They've gotten really more warmer to the product as time has gone along. They've had these shows, and uh, it feels like I mean this crowd, especially by the end, the last match was off the charts, pretty hype, you know, at certain moments. I mean, there were certain guys they gravitated to, as we'll talk about, maybe some that they didn't as much, which we'll also talk about, but um, the, the crowd was in for it for the most part. So we have been covering, if you've been listening along to the first two episodes, we've been covering the World Heavyweight Title Tournament. Uh, thank you, too, uh, to everybody who listened, uh, the feeds, the YouTubes, or the cage match links uh, on there. Uh, thank you to everybody who did that. But we've been covering the World Heavyweight Title Tournament, and the start of the tournament uh, came and went, and we got to this final between AJ Styles and Seth Rollins, and we had some long discussions on who we thought should win. We both came to the same conclusion that Seth freaking Rollins should be the champion, and lo and behold, here it is. It starts to show off. What And the reason given for this, why it was starting the show, was because Seth's in the middle of filming a movie role for the new Captain America, uh, you know, MCU big role and all that stuff. So somehow, I don't know how this worked out or if it's even legit uh, or whatever uh, in terms of why they did that, but he, I, I guess, is in the middle of filming, flying over here to do this and then flying back. This guy's schedule has to be so busy, and he still came in here and gave us this banger. On the way home to start the show here in Saudi Arabia, what do you think of this match here? Seth, AJ, the circumstances behind Seth starting off the match and the match itself. And obviously, I think we're both pretty happy about the winner. I know you are. He is a visionary. He's a revolutionary. And he is your world heavyweight champion. I thought this match was the best AJ Styles match since... I don't know, man. <laughs> I couldn't even begin to tell you. Uh, we, we talked about that kind of when we, you know, we're talking about the show last week, but I firmly believed in the, the moment of the match. Uh, obviously the, the pace that Seth is wrestling at now, right? With his, you know, his superstardom that has kind of come with his wacky, crazed out character. Obviously not everyone loves it, but overall most people I think do enjoy it. Um, I thought the match, you know, if I had to make a top three, it's in my top three on the night, truthfully. I thought it was really solid. Um, I think, I think they were off once in, you know, just once in a while, but mostly the action was a very professional world title match, if you know what I'm saying there. I totally get what you're saying there, and I definitely enjoyed this match. I remember... Uh, us talking because we uh, on our fa- our infamous uh, backlash episode, you talked about how you were there for Survivor Series last year, right? Like you were yes. there live for that. And I remember thinking, man, that show sucks so much. But the one, but the one good show or one good match on that show was AJ and Finn. I actually thought was a pretty good match, uh, hard hitting and all that stuff. And here, I thought AJ and Seth had a pretty nifty opener. Uh, Maybe not something that's like all-time classic or, you know, legendary moment. Like maybe – I think a lot of that too is it's missing the spectacle aspect that the main event did have with the big thing at the end. I think if this show had ended with a, you know, dramatic celebration, you know, epic deal with with the title, maybe it would be a little bit – fondly remembered i mean it's still rated pretty highly i mean again very early on we we literally just into the show but already you look at cage matches 153 votes 7.82 uh 
uh, for AJ and Seth here. So among the fans, at least, they enjoyed this match, and I did too. I thought it was a worthy match to end the tournament, and I really liked I'm one of those guys that's not always fond of all the goofiness of Seth's character, but I really liked the build to this on his end. The AJ build sucked on, on SmackDown, but Seth's sit-down interviews I thought were so good. It set the stage for so many different things. Already teasing a match with Roman, they really hit that hard on, on Raw on Monday, and doing this title, I think it's going to be interesting how they handle it with his movie schedule, because... Basically, all of the promos were setting up him. I think that they teased that they would go so far in the opposite direction of Roman, where Reigns is never really around. That's part of his gimmick, pretty much, is that he's never on the shows. So you would want Seth to be, you know, having open challenges, matches every week, you know, maybe something akin, not necessarily played out exactly like this, but akin to Orange Cassidy's reign in AEW, where he's in there every week, a focal point in the ring every week. And I think they would be smart. Uh, and he's like the perfect guy for that. <laughs> we know that that's what he's all about is the in-ring aspect for sure. Uh, I think that the match itself was really good. I, in my opinion, I'm going to, I'm going to make the declaration right now, Scott, AJ Styles beating the washed allegations for at least tonight. We don't know how much longer that'll last, but uh, at least for tonight, he beat the washed allegations. And uh, I thought the match was good. So I'm uh, happy to see yeah. Seth get that. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's like, okay, now Seth has the world title. Uh, by the way, I think the world title looks uh, even better on someone. Um, now. Yeah. Um, they actually posted this great video. I think it was on TikTok, actually. It's like five things about the World Heavyweight title you may not have noticed. And they were like, has the winged eagle for the winged eagle. There's like a belt, a part of the belt for the Bruno San Martino thing. There's a few like nice, um. Oh, that sounds really cool. There was nice throwbacks to it. And I was like, oh, I have a greater appreciation for it now. Uh, but with Seth now having it, this becomes that workhorse, work rate title that I'm really excited to see, uh, because I do think this was needed. Um, I think, I think at, at this point with Roman's reign, taking the title, so this is the problem, right? Taking either title away from him wouldn't, there was no storyline that it was going to make sense. I just don't think there was a, there wasn't a story that I could have thought that made sense other than him just losing the belts, obviously. Um, and I'm thinking in the idea that he was not losing as he didn't, uh, because even if he fights for one, say, say Cody challenged just for the WWE championship for WrestleMania one, he still lost. I don't know if the universal title hat, you know, at 1000 days may have had as much prestige, and being like, oh, we're just going to take one of these titles away from you. Like, what would the reason be to make sense? Um, I obviously don't love that this belt's still, you know, the second rate, third rate, whatever you want to call it. But I think Seth is going to be so good with it that no one will care in a few months. Um, and I think this was a good start for that. Uh, AJ Styles, on the other hand, he looks like he's going to probably be shooting with Grayson Waller, if I had to guess. So that should be... um Interesting. I think that's a big spot for Waller, obviously. And I think the question now is who's next for Seth? You know, before we get to Raw, and I'm sure we'll get an idea heading into Money in the Bank who's going to be his first challenger. Uh, but, you know, Raw is stacked with top competitors. Uh, that's something that I really like about the Raw roster. They pretty much have the work 
rate brand as compared to SmackDown. So uh the the potential is endless with this. I think I think we're awaiting a Drew McIntyre step match at SummerSlam. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see who they book at Money in the Bank because obviously Drew is from uh, Europe, so that could, they could play to that as well. But I think Seth's a big baby face. You don't want to necessarily have him getting booed uh, in his first defense either. So I'm, I can't wait to see who that is, but this was a great start to the show. Yeah, I really agree with literally all of that. I think that Drew coming back, that is the big match you want. And obviously you would think he would have to be the one to turn and kind of add that big heel top guy. I mean, they have a lot of really good workers on Raw. Nobody's been established as a super, super main event heel other than, I guess, Brock when, he, when he's around. Uh, but you've got guys like Priest, Reed, who I really like a lot and see a lot in, but haven't gotten that main event push yet. I think they could use this title reign to give somebody like that a shot and have a good run for him. I, I you know, I don't have any idea right now. I'm sure they'll address that on Monday. But the title, what you said is so true. Yes, it feels secondary right now, but who's to say that it always has to be that way? If they do things right from here on, and, and Seth has this epic reign that makes it as prestigious as Roman's title reign, that's not impossible. You know, it's all in the follow-up, so to speak. I think I'm not nearly as negative on this title as a lot of people. I mean, I'm negative on the WrestleMania result, and I think that really plays a lot into it, why it's got such a poor reaction so far. But if you really just book this title right, Seth is a great choice for the champion, super over, a hero that the fans can rally behind. You could do a lot of interesting things, set up some of these younger guys you got or, you know, newer talent on Raw that you can get on heels, maybe build to a big match with Drew, like you said. I think there's a lot of potential with this title, and I think it's very possible. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen for sure, but a year from now, we may look at it and think, well, hey, this title actually turned out pretty all right, you know, the idea to, to bring the title in, so... Like you said, good start to the show, and, and I'm optimistic for the title's future, especially with Seth on there. And uh, like you said, Raw's got a lot of good guys. We talked about that in episode one, too, how Raw got a lot of the good male workers, and SmackDown, they tried to revamp the women's division a little bit. Uh, although they, they kind of revamped the women's division a little bit on Raw, too. We'll talk about that right now, because the first match on the show uh, for a women's match was Becky Lynch versus Trish Stratus. They've been feuding for a good while now. The go-home promo, I don't know if you saw it on Raw, Scott, but uh, was pretty great <laughs> like and, and well-received well from both Trish and Becky's end. They had the big closing line with Becky bringing up Trish's stuff from 20 years ago with the barking like a dog or whatever, uh, and that really hit hard. Trish sold it really well, and they led to this match. And as I said on Twitter, the big news is I won the prediction contest through Trish winning. I think that's what everybody really needs to know and cares about most. But our one match difference that we had on this show, we predicted the same on every other match, but which included some misses we will get into. But the match itself, I didn't think it was that bad. I've seen a lot of negative comments about it. Uh, but I think that for Trish, where she's at at 47, Maybe my expectations weren't that high. I thought this was like an okay match. Like, I wouldn't say it wasn't good, don't get me wrong. But I thought that they did enough, even with some awkwardness between the two. I thought they did enough. I love the finishing moment where Zoe Stark came out from under the ring and helped Trish win. I love it. I love the pairing of Zoe with Trish. That gives Zoe something. She's one of the 
one of the worker, workers on the Raw that I think could be one of the best ones, and it shows they have at least some sort of plan for her. I think she fits right in with Trish. Love the booking. The match was only so-so, but I didn't think it was as bad as some people thought. What about you? Um, The match, so this is what I, I said this, these exact words. The idea of Becky versus Trish was always going to be better than the match itself. The match itself ended up being much better than I expected. Here's the thing, though. I didn't expect anything good at all. Um, I thought the match was fine. It was kind of slow. And I think that the here's the thing about this match. If it happened five years ago, could have been great. Truthfully, because, you know, Becky was at the top of her game. I think, you know, Trish, Trish was just simply younger. Um, I think it was about that time she came back and fought Charlotte, too, and she had a really good match with Charlotte. Um, it's it's just, it's not, I'm not saying it's like, you know, a situation of too late or anything, because you, you book it if you can. If Trish is willing to do it, you do it. Um, and I think the best takeaway for me in this match is that Zoe Stark is going to get some shine. Uh, you know, getting, getting the rub from Trish Stratus is a big deal. No matter how you slice it, I don't care how you feel about Trish Stratus now. Um, my, my only complaint is that I do wish, um, I do wish the match was better, but it's match one. So I think that's okay. Obviously, we're going to keep going with this feud. Um, you know, Trish isn't going to just disappear tomorrow. It's going to give Zoe Stark a big feud with Becky Lynch as well. Um, I think the one problem, though, with Raw is that women's division. Like, there's no one for Rhea to face right now because mm-hmm. Becky's obviously your top baby face, women's wise, but she's busy. So it's like, who's going to step up? We'll talk about her match with Natalia, but it's like, that's kind of where we're at right now for poor Rhea. Um, and it's working because, you know, she should be dominant, but that's just kind of like the one thing I'm worried about. Um, but it's, it's a wait and see type thing, I guess. Yeah. I think that you're right on the money on Rhea. You know, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but that was kind of the trade off. You got a lot of the men's talent. I think they really upgraded that side, but SmackDown, I mean, SmackDown side before the draft was pretty weak as well, like much weaker than Raw, and I think they tried their best to upgrade that, and that meant Raw had to lose. I mean, listen, if you lose Bianca and Asuka, and you don't, you know, you've got some, not question marks, because I really do believe in Zoe as a talent. I think she's a really talented wrestler, but she's not known to the audience at the level of those two are, and she's a heel too, which eliminates anything with Ripley, although you do have to think the way that they're pushing her, well, we'll talk about her later, uh, but as far as this stuff with Becky and Trish, yeah, the the feud is going to continue as well, uh, like you said, I think that's going to be, you know, the match, like you said, was better than maybe we thought, but a lot of other people maybe had higher expectations because of what you said about the Trish and Charlotte match Trish was actually really good in, and even at WrestleMania, Trish was a lot better than Lita. And I think maybe that, that got, got people a little higher, even though that's kind of a low bar because of how Lita was. But the next match could be something. I, I foresee a gimmick match of some sort. And I kind of predicted this when we previewed the show, that at Money in the Bank would be kind of what you said with Drew with the Europe push, even though she's from Ireland and not uh, the UK or England or whatever you want to call it. She's going to get a home 
you know, hometown hero reaction pretty much there. And just have him have a big brawl, like some kind of gimmick match, something that Becky could get a big win over Trish on. And you could lead to something later down the line, and you know maybe we could even drag it out to SummerSlam if they if they're dedicated enough. Even though I don't know if Trish has that much gas left in the tank, or they could do something with Zoe, like have a special match with that at, at their you know maybe even a tag match. You'd have to think Lita will return for like that. This pretty much opens the door for that as well. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of different ways they could go, but I really am happy for Zoe to get this run. The match wasn't great by any means, but I didn't hate it. The next match, though, again, this is exactly what I called for. I didn't predict it because I didn't. I kind of didn't. <laughs> you, you didn't have the confidence to it happen. You hoped. You hoped. Yeah, yeah. I had hoped that they just all I asked for is just give us around ten minutes for this match, and I know they can produce something really strong. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> they gave us about eight and a half minutes of Mustafa Ali and Gunther, and you called it on the show as well. You made a great call on your part where you mentioned. The thing you want out of this match is just give us that one moment where the fans can buy Ali winning. If they do that, this match is a success. And this match was a success in great fashion. I thought this match was awesome for what we had. Uh, I said it before. Mustafa, to me, is like one of the most underrated guys in terms of how they see him. I think the fans know how good he is. But I remember when he came into WWE, he had those promos that he made himself, him and his buddy shot, uh, like those camera video promos were so good, good talker, and in-ring, just an excellent worker, and the perfect matchup for Gunther, who, to me, he's up there. You know, if we were comparing any wrestler from AEW, WWE, even the whole world, if we wanted to take it all the way out there, he has to be up in that tip-top upper echelon, Gunther does. I I thought this was phenomenal for what it was. The fans bought in. uh, They gave Ali the 450 splash, and even when it looked like he was about to take him to town, they gave Ali another hope run, and that nearly led to a second 450, but then Gunther decided to put it away, as we knew he would. Uh, very cool match here. And, and the fans really took to Ali. They gave him a huge reaction. Uh, they played a video of him going to Mecca, uh, which is, a you know, that's a, a holy city for uh, the Muslim faith, and obviously Ali represents that. So everything about this was really good and great for Ali. I really don't have a lot of... Hey, you said it before. I didn't have the confidence predict- to predict it, but they did it. I don't have the confidence to say that they're going to keep going with Ali to any noteworthy degree, but I can hope for it at least. There is an underappreciation, I think, in in pro wrestling today for sub ten minute matches. Um, I think that's just true. I think I think so much of the time people need, like in their head, they need you know, 15, 20, 25, 30 minutes for a match to be great. This match didn't touch 10 minutes, and it was great. It was everything it was supposed to be. Uh, Gunther, Walter, whatever you prefer to call him, he is the best in-ring wrestler in the WWE. Men's, women, it's unquestionable because he is the only one who has never had to really change his style. Or, let me rephrase, he's the only one who's altered his style to still feel like Gunther, to still feel like Walter from the days of early NXT UK for him and obviously the independence where he really made a name for himself. Uh, you see that every time he goes out there. Any time he wrestles, it is a legitimately must-see TV must see 
matches. And I think that is a, is the embodiment of how great he truly is. Um, I, I, I watched this match and I said to myself, if this guy isn't the world heavyweight champion sometime next year, then something went terribly wrong. He is just the absolute best. And working off of Mustafa Ali, who had just this wonderful baby face welcome and had the crowd believing in him, like I said, just for that little second, that's what made this match great. Uh, top three match on the show for me as well. It's everything that we could have dreamt of it being. Um, we just didn't know if it would be. And that's the beauty of both of them. That is the beauty of Gunther. Uh, he was, it's all about utilizing the time you have. And that's what they did. They used it to the best of their ability and delivered a fantastic eight and a half minute match. Absolutely agree. And the fans seem into it too on cage match, 7.69 rating, 115 votes. Uh, just to wrap it up, Becky and Trish had 6.17 uh, on there, so a little bit lower, but probably a little bit higher than, than I would have thought at first. But this match totally deserved it. Uh, Ali and Gunther, eight and a half minutes. Great stuff here. Really cool action. Both men deserve a lot of praise. And like you said, Gunther, I mean, it's clear he's one of their projects, you know, and he deservingly so. That's one of the things I like the most about Raw the last couple of weeks, ever since the draft. They've really made it feel like he is the central character to that show the last couple of weeks, always involved in main event matches, angles, things like that. And now this, really good stuff there. The next match, now we get to our interesting WWE language usage here. The Raw Women's Title on SmackDown, with <laughs> between the two SmackDown wrestlers. Bianca Belair defending against Asuka. And much like before, Scott, I lack the confidence to predict what I really wanted. I'm wearing my Asuka shirt right now. As we speak, and she won the title by God in 15 minutes flat, and with a very unique finish where she spit the. First of all, she missed uh, she, she missed the mist at first, and then she le- had headed outside at one point and spit the mist on her hands, which had tape on her fingers. Uh, I don't know, man. She was like unloading the mist on this thing. Uh, she got all of it on there. And when Bianca lifted her up for the KOD, she rubbed her hand over Bianca's eyes, and it was like missed in a different way, and it led to a couple of head kicks, roundhouse kicks to win, and the roundhouse roundhouse kick to the back of the head won the match for Asuka here. Surprise title change for me. We kind of talked about it when we previewed the show last week. I didn't anticipate this happening because they really went out of their way to make this Bianca reign something super legendary, you know, or, or trying to make it seem that way and sell mm-hmm. you as this great, great legendary title reign. So to end it here in a feud, which really we talked about it again, it really wasn't that hot of a feud. But regardless of that, though, I'm psyched for Oscar, like my favorite wrestler. The match itself, I haven't really gotten into, and because there's not that much I can really say about it because it wasn't that great, <laughs> to be honest with you. I, I wanted it to, I want to love it, but they gave me a Good match, nothing wrong with it or anything like that. But to me, I thought I thought the WrestleMania match between these two was underrated. I, I thought that was a legitimate yeah. great match. I don't think this came close to touching that. But what say you, Scott? Yeah, I I think the the basis I have for these two is that they're good enough that they'll never give you a bad match, but they haven't had that definitive great match. 
Um, I think their match WrestleMania was underrated, but it wasn't to the levels that I think they can go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I did a preview for this on another show uh, later than we did it, so a couple days later. And on that show, I came to the realization that Asuka was probably winning this. And I predicted it on that show because, you know, we say that the story wasn't built up necessarily to end her reign, but that's been her reign this entire time. Nothing has ever been built up. So why why think that when she finally loses it, something's going to, you know, it's going to be this great built up story. That that was my takeaway from this. And true, true. I, point. I think... Oscar winning is the right direction. You want a heel champion. You want someone who can now lose to Io Shirai. I think that was the basis here because Io obviously is on her way to turning babyface, and I think that's the long term goal. And now you have Asuka, who's going to be this heelish, almost, you know. She, she's heelish, and the way that she cheats is use the mist. She's not cheating with, like, you know, poking in the eye and stuff like that. So now you're going to have this heelish champion you can beat up. You can go build Bianca with what is a strong SmackDown roster. She doesn't need to be in the title picture. And I think it's a win-win all around. You can have Bianca face, you know, the, you have you have enough people, I think, that she's not going to necessarily be left in the dust per se um and she's bianca so i wasn't really too worried about that but i think this is the right direction to go i wish the match was better um but at the same time it was the best women's match on the show uh, <laughs> so like take that for what you will uh while it wasn't great or anything it also got the job done um and i'm not really saying the third match was put up much competition to begin with though it was exactly what I want it to be. Um, moving forward, it'll be interesting to see. I'm sure they'll have one more blow-off match at Money in the Bank, but I'm happy that this is where we ended up because, like I said, Asuka, Asuka I think, has earned this title reign, and if she didn't lose here, then her new character was ruined. I mean, if she didn't win here, her new character would be ruined. Triple H getting some mileage on this show. He came out to give Seth the world title in the first match and then took a picture with Asuka backstage with the women's title. I've got two questions for you, Scott, to kind of bounce off of what you said that you vaguely announced. First of all, what's the name of that show you were on that you predicted that? Plug yourself. Oh, I was on the uh, Fight Game Podcast Extra, which is part of uh, the Fight Game Media Network as well as the Wrestling Observer um, yeah. So I jumped on there uh, and talked about this match, and I was hoping that it would be better than it was. But overall, I'm just happy that Oscar won. Absolutely, and, and I agree with that same point there. Um, you, when you see these two names, you automatically—I mean, these are to me—you put them up there. They're two. To me, they're the two best overall talents, and in ring, probably two of the best. They're definitely top five. Like, let's put it that way. And to me, probably top three, more accurately. They're two of the best, absolute best women you have. So obviously when you see that, those names paired up against each other, you have high expectations. The fans did respect it. 
on on cage match so far, uh, 7.05 rating, which is good, not great or anything definitive like that, but still worthwhile. I always say to me, seven out of ten on cage match, in my opinion, is like a recommendation. Like that's like a soft rec, you know, three and a half stars is how it would average out on the star scale, right? Which that to me is like the recommendation level uh, that you say, hey, you should watch this. If it's eight, nine, ten out of ten, you think, okay, you definitely need to watch this. This is really good. You won't, you know, feel like you've lost your life if you missed the match, but you will feel happy that you watched it at the end. Would kind of be how I would describe this, especially if you're an Oscar fan, because like you said, we're just happy that Oscar won. So <laughs> that's the best. My other question to you though. Going forward, though, because you, you did vaguely allude to this. You didn't mention it directly, so I'm going to ask it directly. Does the use of the chili peppers in the mist make her more heelish? Yay or nay? No. No. I think I – think, I, think, I liked the idea that she taped her fingers specifically for this because I noticed that when the match started. I was like, she never had yeah. her fingers taped like that. And then it made sense. I was like, oh, see, I, li- I like when things make sense. Um but yeah, it was it's the right move and with this, you know, division and what it is, um, I'm kind of excited to see where it could go. Oh, uh, me too, and I'm totally like you. The hope and the dream is that Oscar and EO go at this in a big major match, which could I don't be- know how it's not the direction, truthfully, cuz like Yeah. She's clearly your next big baby face. Yep. And Oscar's your current heel world champion. I know, like, she's going to have to wrestle Bailey and stuff like that, but I don't need Asuka losing the title within the next two months, so it's okay to me. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree with that. And the thing about Asuka is, even with this character, I definitely think if the time comes or the crowds react a certain way, she's a very easy turn automatically. I mean, her heel character is not significantly different from her babyface one. Uh, if they if they want to go that way, but we have to get that business with EO and Oscar out of the way first. Uh, have them have the singles match, and like you said, that would really elevate EO. But you know who didn't get elevated? <laughs> Natalia. <laughs> That's exactly right. Or should she? Poor Daddy. No respect <laughs> from Scott to Daddy here. This is how this match was supposed to be. No reason she should get any offense in on Rhea Ripley. She is done. She's over with. Rhea Ripley is over. This like now she has two absolutely dominant wins. Um, and I think the problem actually, there is a problem moving forward now. And I think it's that who the hell is Rhea Ripley supposed to be facing? Because they don't have a baby face that's ready for her to face. No, I mean, you're totally right, and that is the problem. They booked her so dominant. Last, or not last month, because it was this month, but the Backlash match with Vega, that worked that they made it a little bit longer because of the Puerto Rican factor. That crowd was so electric that I don't blame them for giving her a little bit. Here, Natty has no connection to Saudi Arabia that I know of. Uh, you know, not that it would be, if it were in Canada, maybe you could see her getting a hope spot or two. But in this particular situation, you're exactly right. There was no need for this to go on any more than it did. One minute and ten seconds. Like, that's all it needed. You know, you push Rhea Ripley hard, and kind of what I said about Asuka is true for her, too. If they want to turn her babyface, that's going to be a very easy turn when, when it happens. The fans are already rallying behind her. And how could you not? A badass who beats everybody. 
historically, those characters get over with the fans. That's just the history of wrestling. So when you see her get booked how she is, dominant win on Natty, like you said, no need for even a second more of this. Natty didn't get any offense. Uh, Dominic distracted her. Ripley attacked right away, beat the hell out of her, hit the riptide. It was over. All it needed. Uh, so definitely love the booking. The match was nothing. You know, obviously it's only a minute. But where do they go from here? You look at the Raw roster. I just think, like you, you said, they haven't built anybody up. The only one would be Becky, but she's going to be wrapped up with Trish for yeah. the foreseeable future. Uh, but you you have to think that's a SummerSlam match, though. Um, Yeah, unless they prolong the Trish thing that long. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure Raquel Rodriguez will be one of the interesting ones. They could play off the NXT history there, um, which point. I think would be good. Um, if if Rhea is to play more of the babyface role, obviously Ronda Rousey comes into the conversation. I think Piper Niven would be a good person to kind of fill in. Maybe you do that uh, for Money in the Bank if you're looking for someone. Yeah, um, another Europe uh, person. Uh, that yeah, so, so there's not necessarily, like, people that I think would beat her, but they're at least... yeah. Can they're they're and you know I think Bree is going to have a long reign so it's okay, um, but I think I'm, those are the few that you can book her against and I'm, it will work. I'm going to run down some people on this roster and you kind of give me a quick like does this person move the needle that hey this is a perfect challenger for uh, Ripley because I'm looking at the roster right now the women's side, Candice LeRae. Uh, if they built her up, but she couldn't be less built up, so no. No, 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 not right here. Not, nothing against the talent of these women. All of them are very talented, we're sure. Just where they're at right now on the card. Uh, second one, Emma. Done no. nothing on Raw since she's been drafted. No. Indy Hartwell. Hurt, so no. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Liv hurt as well. Nikki Cross. Another, no. another European, if you wanted to go there. Her and Piper are kind of... Piper, you mentioned Piper earlier. Raquel, you mentioned her. Sure. Uh, Tegan Knox. No. Xylee. No. I, I would love that if that happened, though. To be, to be fair, I, I'm half Chinese, guys, so like, I'm, I'm a little biased on that. But still, uh, regardless, though, you're pretty much right. I think they have a, a limited number of options for anyone believable, but they do have people. If they want to heat somebody up, they can get a month out of one of those people I just listed. and just They'll go back to the, to the back of the line quickly, but just drag things out. Like you said, we don't know if, if Becky and Trish is going to be a SummerSlam match. But if not, they do need to heat somebody up. I like your idea of Piper. Uh, you know, that would be somebody they could get behind. And like you said, Rodriguez is going to be somebody. They're doing the thing with the tag titles on Monday, but her and Shotzi aren't going to be a long-term team, you would think. Liv could do, be something they get to eventually. I mean, they have, Liv and Ripley have history. I could see that being a match. That could be like the first major match of Ripley's reign, I think. Mm-hmm. But then we get to a match. I'm very, very interested to know what you think about. Uh, I'm sure the people are as well. Brock Lesnar versus Cody Rhodes here. This has been at all, you know, things mentioned. This has been basically the main built-up match on the Raw side was Cody and Brock. They've done a lot of angles. We talked about it last month. The Brock match at Backlash was... You know, such an interesting spectacle. The finish was kind of lame, but you had the the visual of the bloodied Brock Lesnar. You had him coming yelling at people with the black eye. For, you know, look at this face. You know, great, great intensity from Brock. Broke his arm. 
And that's where I think that a lot of people are going to talk about, because what do you make of this whole angle, first of all, with the broken arm and how they utilized it here in this match? This is the Cody-verse, baby. That's what we're living in. We we are so back. If you watch Cody and AEW, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, this this is how you... This is pretty much, to a T, how you build around needing a Brock Lesnar win while also having Cody leave the feud strong, leave this match strong. Because not only did Brock have to break his arm this week, but he also had, you know, he also didn't get Cody to tap. Cody passed out. Uh, the, the crowd was electric for this match and that played to it. Uh, I thought Lesnar and Cody were both great, you know, hitting all the big moves as you would expect. Um, I, I still think they have like this great, undeniable match in them and maybe we're holding that for some time down the road i don't know when but sometime and i think that's okay i wouldn't go back to the third match immediately um i think it's okay to now pivot because listen at the i think brock's gonna go away for a little bit he's been on what three straight pay-per-views now uh three or four um, and I think that's okay. I think the match itself was good. It was executed exactly how they'd want it to. And it was executed how I would want it to if Brock were to win. Um, I, I'm interested to see what is next. I think Cody will be in that Money in the Bank ladder match. And I'm still hoping he wins. But there is the Brock question that will not be going away anytime soon. So we'll have to wait and see. But this is how I would have done it too keep him from winning, having Brock win, but having Cody still be strong in the end. I think there's a lot there in this match to unpack. Um, First of all, I think we do have to say, ultimately, if you just judge by crowd reaction and the fans, this undeniably worked because they were super into this whole match, you know, like one of the biggest reactions to the show up to this point was for Cody and this broken arm thing led to a lot of moments in the match that they rallied behind. I personally think that it was so goofy (laughs) that I couldn't really say I liked it in all honesty. You know, the idea of this broken arm, you come in, they mentioned it on commentary. They were like, he's got a titanium cast. (laughs) It's, It's unbreakable. And so at first he landed on it wrong, and then when he popped up and actually hit Brock with it, suddenly he like realized, oh wait, I've got this titanium cast that I can use as a weapon now. And they kind of built to that, and there were some long sequences in the Kimura, which again worked. I don't blame them for doing it, but for me, this was a, this was a step too far into the Codyverse for for me personally. But I won't deny that it worked or that it was a smart move. I will say this though, if it were up to me. And this was the finish you were going to do with Cody passing out. I like the idea of the finish. I like it on paper. I think it would have been much better, and I'm sure there's rules in place that put a stop to this. I'm sure they would have if they wanted to, and Cody was like Brock and just could just go into business for himself all the time. Uh, but Cody should have had the crimson mask this time. Sure. Like, 
you know, bleed out, have him in the Kimura, and then pass out like that Stone Cold angle that everyone would bring up that they obviously want to call back to. I think yeah. that would have been the perfect callback to the last match and set up a huge gimmick match to like end this feud for good. Like basically, somebody's going to go away for a long time at the end of this match. And this one was it worked again. I don't want to say that it didn't work, even though I thought it was kind of dumb. It totally worked. But for this now, like you said, it's going to be interesting to see how they follow this up at the end of the day, because this didn't feel like a definitive end either to the feud. And I think that they're missing that in this. Yeah. But I don't, I I just don't want them to do three straight matches. I really don't. I just, I think there's more story to it. I think there's a better idea of Brock coming back around and, and fighting Cody when Cody's champion. Um, and I think that's kind of how you can pay it off because sometimes I think in WWE, you, you kind of just assume or fans kind of assume you need to do three matches and you can't just have like two people go one and one and just call it. Like I well, don't look at Rocket Cena at WrestleMania. Look at Rocket Cena. Right. Exactly. You don't need the blow off match instantly. You don't. You don't. We went away. We went away from the Roman angle of things. You can easily have Brock, you know, walk out dominantly and just disappear for now, and then come back around when the time comes. It, it's it's pretty simple to me, um, and I, I think I think in terms of the efforts that they obviously went to to make sure Cody lost without losing any momentum and losing any, any, you know, respect in a lot of ways is very much the Cody verse aspect that I joke about. Um, and while, while I think people will be like, all right, that was, that was ridiculous. That's the point. <laughs> That's the point at the end of the day. Like it is so to the extreme. It won't matter because Cody's so over. Right? Like that's, that, this is, this is, this is a WWE booking style to the max in a lot of ways. Add in the Cody aspect and it kind of makes it funny in a lot of ways. Yeah, exactly. Um, But I, I want to see them have a full on like grudge match. I just don't want them to run it right back because I think you know, with Money in the Bank coming up, there there needs to be a reason that Cody can challenge Roman, unless that's not the direction we're going, which is very possible. If that's not the direction we're going, I think there is a way to play to this where maybe you give the idea Cody is going to win at Money in the Bank, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe that's where Brock costs him again. Maybe Brock isn't done with him. That's another way to do it. If you want to book this for SummerSlam, I just think Money in the Bank, you got to play to him getting back to Roman at yeah. least. Because with Roman now, he's busy again, right? And we'll get, we'll get to that in a few minutes. I just like the idea where, okay, Cody retrojects back to world championship. Maybe he misses a week of Raw. Maybe that would be a good idea. Kind of blow it off, then come back, win a qualifying match. Get to the money in the bank. Get so, so close to winning. He fails. Maybe it's Brock's fault. Maybe it's not. And then ultimately, you can either have that blow-off match at SummerSlam, or he just wins the money in the bank and uses it 
in an official stature to challenge Roman Reigns once more. That's where I see Cody's roads going. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> um, and that's where I'd prefer. I'm fine with either one at this point. Like if, if Cody's not going to win at SummerSlam and they're going to keep going with this bloodline angle, I'm okay with that because they almost have to right? Yeah. the bloodline with the Usos and stuff. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that at this point because it, it's just working so well. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and I think that's where everybody would think of the bloodline. I think Cody's time, they may save that. That may be a WrestleMania angle like that they have in yeah, their back pocket go back. as, as well. Just, I think that's too long. And you may be right, uh, you know, but I, I think we both agree that him losing in the first place made it <laughs> even one day that's after true. WrestleMania <laughs> was too long, uh, some would say. Very true. Yeah, yeah. So, but I, Cody, very over. I'm all for strong baby faces. And you mm-hmm. have to think, yeah. Do you know a time where WWE has had three baby faces as over as Seth Rollins, Cody Rhodes, and Sami Zayn? Not in a long time, because yeah. you, know, you look at how they built Cena's years as champion. He was on top, but it was often against heels. They focused on building up more than baby faces. The only one you could point out was maybe Batista, who, you know, was kind of sure. that other guy. Uh, in terms of all three being like this, where like the fans just they're beloved to a level that, and Cena wasn't even beloved when he was actually around like, as champion. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. It's like any any period I think too, right? They've always had I think two baby faces over, like you know Daniel Bryan and CM Punk, um, Batista and Cena once upon a time. Like any any era you go to is like two people. Uh, at one point, it was like Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman on Monday Night Raw. They were both very over at a time, and neither of them got the belt. Um, so uh, yeah, I think it's interesting. But they have three obviously premier options right now, and I think they're they could have a fourth, which we'll get to in the main event. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're looking at the main event now. The Tag titles match here. Raw and SmackDown tag titles. KO and Sami Zayn take on the Bloodline. Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa here. Now, this match was all about... I mean, first of all, they started right away. Sami comes out uh, in his garb, and he cuts a promo in Arabic uh, the fans love. Uh, it, he was talking... He, he, I think he had, like, three different languages. <laughs> like, I saw somebody say that he cut the promo in and introduced himself and KO, obviously. Uh, I thought that was a great response to Paul Heyman introducing the bloodline. Uh, then the match was a total spectacle, and it all built to the ending where the Usos ran in, and we saw them help Roman, because Roman was about to get put to the table, but they saved him and dropped the table on uh, Owens. And they were about to double-kick Sammy, but then he moved, they hit Solo, and that led to things blowing up. Roman came in, was pushing around the Usos, and then suddenly Jimmy Uso finally had enough, hit the super kick, a uh, huge moment. Uh, people went crazy. And Jimmy, he turned to, to Jay and was saying, like, uh, you know, I'm doing what you should have done a long time ago. Uh, you know, and like, that was basically his thing with Jay. He's like, he, you know, he ain't your brother. They kind of replayed that same deal with when Sammy got turned on. He said, he ain't your brother, I'm your brother. 
Uh, he they did the same thing, but this time with Roman. And he says, "I got you," and he turned around and hit Roman again with the kick and knocked him out of the ring. And that led to Solo bewildered in the ring, stunner, haluva kick. The referee had been bumped at this point too off of a spear, but then the second ref finally came in, counted three, KO and Sammy retain. And the drama is all of the stuff with the bloodline. The Usos backed away, but Jay was clearly like, no, you can't do this, man. We, we got to be better than that. And Jimmy was like, screw that. He sucks. And this, this is what they were teaming on. They were teasing on TV the last multiple weeks with Jimmy being the one that's finally ready to stand up to Roman. And they paid it off here. The closing shot of SmackDown last night was the bloodline all doing their one pose but Jimmy in the corner not doing it. So they basically exactly played off that angle. And we finally get to a new chapter of the bloodline. It looks like for real now we're heading into a direction. And I'm glad because if they had just kept going how they were going, it really was stale. And I think this is a shot in the arm. And we saw the reaction online. I mean, people were going crazy over this. The crowd was going nuts. I thought it was a perfectly executed angle. The Usos did a fantastic job and set up some really cool and interesting potential things in the future. Yeah, I know this is the big story, and I'll talk about it in a second, but I want to talk about Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens first, because I think oh, great, that, great, great work is, by those two. that is just as important. Um, Sami Zayn getting to come to Saudi Arabia for the first time, um, it was, it was an emotional moment. It was, it was a, it was a really special moment for him, and you could tell. Right. You could you could tell on his face. You could tell when he got in the ring, the fans absolutely adored him. They loved him, you know, him, you know, introducing him and Kevin the way he did. Um, and it really was how this match got to the end so perfectly without Kevin and Sammy doing what they did in this match and really building to them getting the win finally over Roman Reigns, whether, you know, even if they didn't pin him, I thought was just as important as the Uso aspect. It, you know, it was that moment that we wanted months ago for Sami Zayn and we didn't get. It was that moment that we've wanted for Kevin Owens and we didn't get. Uh, and I think that was like, it was an ultimate payoff in more than one way. Um, I thought the match itself was, you know, it was a spectacle to the highest degree. It's exactly what WWE does better than anyone else. Um, when you when you watch professional wrestling, some people look for the work rate side. You know, you you and you and myself were big Japanese pro wrestling fans, obviously. So we love we love the you know, big epics and the incredible in-ring main events that where you tell the stories through, you know, moves and who has what it takes and stuff like that. But we all got into wrestling because of moments like this main event, right? We got into moments for Sammy and Kevin overcoming Roman Reigns. Finally, we became fans of pro wrestling for the big Uso turn. We became fans for whatever's next in this bloodline angle. This is the best story WWE has told in years for a reason. Obviously, I think we all agree that it absolutely slowed down and kind of got annoying 
for a little bit there, right? Because Roman wasn't on TV for pretty much a whole month, right? He wasn't on TV until <laughs> until like a few weeks ago. He, he was, you know, done with WrestleMania, and now we're here. Now that he came back, you could feel the energy again. You could feel the importance of the one line angle again. And they didn't push it fast. They built it up perfectly so that in this match, with, like you said, when they accidentally hit Solo, it's like, oh, man. Okay. Who's going to snap? How are they going to snap? Is it going to be Jay? Were they hiding it? Or will it be Jimmy as it's looked to be for the past couple of weeks. Of course, it ultimately is Jimmy. In that moment where he hits him, you just, I applauded. I legitimately applauded because it was one of the times where WWE did the right thing at the right time. Uh, and Jay Uso not knowing what to do is what makes this story so great. Jay Uso is one of the very best in WWE and has been since this bloodline angle started all those years ago. He has been the main character, even if he hasn't been the main character, if you know what I'm saying. Like, Roman Reigns is obviously the guy, but Jimmy, I mean, Jey Uso has been the guy as long. And, and him hesitating and him, you know, questioning Jimmy, like, why'd you do that? And Jimmy saying, I did what you should have done, and now we gotta get out of here. We gotta go. I thought that was perfect. I thought they executed that perfect. The match itself, it was a basic format. It was the big bad heel team against the, you know, almost underdog baby face champions. And they worked that to perfection. It wasn't, you know, this crazy over the top PWG, you know, super match that you know that Kevin and Sammy can do. It was a storytelling match with countless moments of hope and excitement that completed in the perfect way. And that is Sami Zayn pinning someone in the bloodline to get the win, staring down at a defeated Roman Reigns who's walking out because the bloodline finally exploded. And now, and now I'm going to be truthful here. I'll let, I'll let, Dylan, get back in here in a second, but I'll go go on. Have your time, brother. The the beauty of this now is that if they want to do it, you can run Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship before any chance of Cody. You can do that. Maybe you know. I think you have to do that. Because now the story is Jimmy's the one that turned. Jay didn't do anything. Jay, Jay froze. Jay was, he was lost. Jay is the best actor in this company <laughs> in terms of wrestling acting. I know that, you know, there's actual people that go and act in actual movies and stuff, but he is the best one at telling stories with his reactions and his face and stuff like that. Along with Roman, I think Roman does a great job at that too. Um, but now that's where the story goes, and it makes the bloodline angle all the more interesting. Roman Reigns can't be off television this week. He can't. We know he's celebrating 1,000 days. How much of a celebration is that going to be as the bloodline just exploded? That's the excitement. I think you go, you know, you have Roman Solo. 
versus the Usos at Money in the Bank, and then almost at SummerSlam, you have to do, have to do Roman and Jay. It just feels like the biggest match right now. I thought this was sensational. I thought the match accomplished everything you wanted to have. It was a soap opera to the highest degree, but a wonderful one at that. I loved everything about this. Yeah, you know, I think all of that is true. You, you were totally right. The reception for Sammy was, uh, I think, a beauty. I mean, he was going crazy. Uh, the fans were going crazy. It was an emotional moment for him. Um, and they had chanted for him on one of the other shows. Uh, there was some political stuff. I'm not super familiar with it, but it's something with Syria, who, like, Sammy's parents are for, from, and Saudi Arabia. But yeah. actually, they reconciled recently. Uh, yeah, like, like three somehow. weeks ago or something, like, really recent. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, I don't really know the ins and outs of it all, at all, but uh, somehow it's led to this moment with them having the match here, and the fa- I mean, the fans really wanted him, though, <laughs> at, at least, and they got him, and they reacted to him like a superstar, uh, as he deserves to be with his great performances over the last year. Uh, KO, obviously doing a great job, great worker, one of the work rate, uh, workhorses of the roster. Kevin, Kevin's really good Yeah. at mattering while taking a back seat almost for the story. Like he's able to plug in and do the right spots while also taking a back seat for the moments to happen. And I think that was like really shown here. That's a great point uh, on your end. He's really one of those guys that was just doing great work. Even last year as a single star, I remember that great promo he had on Austin theory, on Raw, that to me was like one of the best Raw promos. Him versus Drew on the mic when that all happened was a great promo on his part too. He's just a great all-around performer, and both of them really delivered as a great team. In terms of the Bloodline stuff, you know it's interesting because you mentioned Cody before going for it at SummerSlam, but we also have this Bloodline deal that you have to think is going to blow off in a big way. I really think it's interesting to me. Jimmy should get the shot first because he turned on him. Not to say that's the end of the story, because I think that'll only add more intrigue. Because who's to say that even Solo will continue, will like, will fully go against his own brothers here? Uh, you know, that could be something we see in the, in the near future that he actually turns on Roman as well. Like, where is his allegiance is going to lie between the brothers and Roman, who's favored him for a long time? And they did a thing a couple of weeks ago, remember, where he bumped into Solo, and Solo gave was the one that gave him the big look. As well. So there's intrigue in that. Jay definitely. Th- this is kind of somewhat similar to what they did with Sammy and Roman. And Jay was kind of in the middle. I, I, I kind of got flashbacks to it with how he was acting. Uh, but this time even more. This The stakes have been raised because it's his real brother now, obviously. And I think that raises the stakes a little bit. I honestly could see it being Roman and Jimmy at Money in the Bank. And it leading to a big schmoz where something happens. Jimmy fights valiantly but gets hurt. Kind of similar to the first Jay and Roman match that they had, like what they had when they faced off a few years ago. And something happens where Jay is faced to throw in the towel, but Jimmy gets hurt. That sets up Jay and Roman. But I do think it's interesting, the potential, because this storyline all began. In the beginning, Jimmy was injured. He wasn't around. Jay was the one doing the solo act before Jimmy came back at the Hell in the Cell that year. Jimmy has not gotten a spot as a singles act at all. 
in this whole time, whereas Jay has. So I think it's interesting that it looks like they're going to give him a shot at least to prove himself because Jay has proven himself to be a main event level talent uh, as a singles or a tag. Jimmy has not been able to prove that as a single star, and it's interesting that they're going to give him a chance. But I think it's all in the grand scheme of things, too. I agree with you, though. To me, where I'm at now, we, we don't have Raw to talk about to give us any clues. We don't have SmackDown. We haven't seen the Thousand Day Celebration. We'll talk about that later when it happens. But what we know now, right after Night of Champions, to me, they set up Roman and Jay as the main event of SummerSlam. Like that, that's where I think I'm not saying it's a guarantee because what you said is totally true for a Money in the Bank guy to get it in, especially Cody. But to me, this angle is so hot, they should strike it while it's hot and just do what they need to do and get all three of these guys out of the way because I do think we're seeing the deterioration of the bloodline. The problem is then Roman's whole reign has been wrapped around this bloodline. If that goes away, how do you justify him retaining the championship for any length of time because his entire run – has been the bloodline saving him time and time and time again. So if this implodes, to me, that title change has to be coming around the corner. And that's going to be a very interesting thing, how they handle that. And I think that's why there's so many possibilities, so many things they could go with that are all pretty interesting to me and really heated up. What, again, to me, what you said, to, I totally agree with. A stale storyline that was just getting annoying because the end date seemed like it was there at WrestleMania – and to drag it out more, it didn't feel like there was any new ground. Now with this, though, there is new ground. They've hit the next chapter that they needed to hit, and it seems like we're heading in for a hell of a summer, and i got to applaud them for that. Yeah, it, it's it's that's the interesting story to play up to. Do, do you play to him you know, losing the title because the bloodline isn't there anymore, then going into those matches with Jay and Solo, or do you do it first? Because it almost feels like you have to. And that's yeah. that's the game we're going to play moving forward, but it's a great direction moving forward, and really it's why I think this main event is that much greater in retrospect, because they now have a very clear direction. Like, this... I think I think this is going to be a match where if you just don't like Roman Reigns matches, you're not going to like this. It's just that's just where we are at the end of the day. But like this is this to me felt like what it would have felt like if Cody won. <laughs> truthfully, <laughs> like that fulfilling feeling, right, with the Usos turning and Sammy getting the win, it felt like that. I think Cody's would have been even bigger. Um but this was it, it really was perfectly done, and uh, it has me excited, actually, for this story all over again. Absolutely. So uh, one more thing before we wrap up. Uh, what do you think is next for KO and Sammy? Um, Judgment Day. You know, yeah, they, they lost to Finn Balor and Damian Priest, so there's a match there, obviously. Um, I think that's a good match to play to them. I think Imperium's also in the conversation. Um. I like that they kind of set those up so there's a good place for them to go. I think, you know, you could do Kevin and Sammy versus Priest and Balor on Money in the Bank. Uh, I wouldn't waste that on TV. Yeah, and I agree. 
And I think that can be a good match. I think the Judgment Day have, for me, they, it took a long time for them to find their footing for me, but I think they finally have. And maybe that's because Rhea is at the top now. Um, but I think those two and kind of going off of right the priest stuff with Bad Bunny, obviously, and, uh, you know, what Finn did in the match, match with Seth and stuff, like it feels like they have, their legs under him, and I think that's a good match to go with Kevin and Sammy. And then, you know, something hopefully big at SummerSlam for them, because I think they've obviously earned that spot. Maybe maybe uh, you could think of New Day if Kofi Kingston comes back. Um, I think that would just be a cool match to have in the big spot. Or, I don't know when he comes back, but maybe a DIY that's and they teased that a couple of weeks ago where yes. uh, Gargano mentioned that he he quote unquote they didn't say his name but he is coming back soon yeah. and Candice yeah. is not happy. Yeah. yeah, and the rumors have been very clear that that's where they're going to go um, when Champ was able to come back and it sounds like they're going to be heels too, which kind of fits perfectly to go against Kevin and Sammy. I th- and I think knowing Triple H, he would put that on their second biggest show of the year. Yeah, it would be a fresh matchup for sure, and the the in-ring, like you said, this match was not, like, for the work-rate fans, was not for that. It was for the storyline and the spectacle of it. If you're a fan of the pure wrestling, this didn't have it. Um, you know, it was good for what it was, but it wasn't anything special. Yeah, it, it had good wrestling moments, but at the same, like, I loved the stunner into the spear between Kevin and Roman. I thought that was great. Uh, because yep. it's like the last ditch effort type thing. Cause I, you know, with a stunner, you can kind of bounce off the ropes and do something like that. I know some people don't like the no sell, but I liked it there. Um, it had enough, like, like I said, it had the basic wrestling plots, but the energy of the crowd mixed with the story of, you know, Sammy and Kevin getting revenge on Roman and then the Usos part, it just, it just came all together so well. Um, I expect, like, for example, if you're looking to Dave Meltzer's, you know, ratings, I bet you he rates this pretty high because of yeah. the emotional aspect because that's kind of what it should be. It should be a rated high match. I know Cage Match has been favorable to it so far. Yeah, this is by far the match of the night, uh, 8.87 on 125 votes right now uh, for the main event, and, and deservedly so. I think it was a really strong match. Uh, but the if, they, if it's KO and Sammy versus DIY – that's going to be a way different style of match than this. Like, yeah, actually, yeah. That's, that's your, there's your PWG type match that I think people want to see Kevin and Sammy have. Uh, I, I also think some of the rumors talking about uh, Street Profits and Bianca maybe turning heel, that could be a great feud for KO. That's and true. If, if I they, keep forgetting Kevin and Sammy can go back and forth. So, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a good uh, one, too. Yeah, they could build up to either one of those. But I'm, I'm a fan of either of those. I love the Street Profits, the team, uh, and... DIY, that's going to bring back uh, a lot of memories of their NXT run to a lot of people. And KO and Sammy are perfect. Like you said, PWG lives <laughs> if that happens. Yeah. And it's, it's good I, because KO and Sammy are main event players as tag yes. team champions. They are. They are. They, I mean, Sammy has three main events now um, this year, including two with the tag titles in contention. So. They are main eventers. Uh, and if, if you, and listen, you now have a lot of belts that I think are worthy of the main event. Yep. Um, but they have, they have risen to a spot where if you ever need to put them in main events, it makes sense. They are, they were the top champions on Raw, 
now it's obviously set because he has the World Heavyweight Championship, and I think Gunther has a claim too, but they have a healthy group of champions over there right now. Totally agree. Uh, great point on your part. And a good way to close it out, right now the overall rating for the show on Cage Match is 8.14, uh, 85 votes for the full show. Uh, scale of 1 to 10, what would you give this show? Show overall, I'd give it a 7. Yep, that's exactly uh, what I was thinking. The women's stuff, unfortunately, was a bit lower than I hoped for. Um, but the high spots, I think there were three. I think there were three legitimately good to like great matches, which were the World Heavyweight Championship match, the Intercontinental Title match, and the main event. And then I think those would be my top three, not in order. My top three in order, if anyone would like to know, would be the main event. Then probably the world title just for the moment of Seth winning. I think I give that the bump and then Gunther and Ali, which I thought they did a great job in eight and a half minutes. Um, and then kind of to play to the Brock Cody thing. I mean, they played to exactly what the story was with the broken arm. I just, I just think it could have been a much greater match if we didn't do that, which I kind of wish we did it, but I understand why they did. Yeah, um, I agree. I would give it a 7 out of 10. I think the show started and ended so strong, and I love the Gunther and Mustafa match. Uh, to me, I would probably say the opening match was probably the best match of the night, but the closing, the moment at the end is what everyone's going to remember this show for uh, with, with the turn. That was, like, excellently executed. Uh, shout out to Bret Hart <laughs> for that. But I thought that... That's up there, and I, and I love the Guther and Mustafa match. I thought that was so good for what they wanted. The women's stuff, like you said, it just didn't really hit. But they did interesting things there, too, where you had Zoe align with Trish. You got good moments. Asuka, surprise title change. And the Cody and Brock thing, I, I didn't like it personally, but it played to the audience they needed to and accomplished everything. Right. So they actually, pretty much every match accomplished something on this show. So I have to give it a thumbs up. Overall, like I would give it a seven. Uh, it wasn't like anything I remember as a show of the year. Like night one of WrestleMania was like a show of the year. Uh, th- this was not as good as that, but it was more than passable. And like you said, compared to the earlier Saudi uh, Saudi Arabia shows, and man, far cry to say the least. But mm-hmm. any last words to the the audience, Scott? Anything you want to plug? Uh, let it all out there. Yeah, I think everyone should. Um appreciate kind of the 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 role WWE's on right now overall because it has been a long time since it's felt this hot um and then in terms of plugs yeah follow me at Scott E wrestling on Twitter if you don't already um I tweet about a lot of wrestling not just WWE if anything it's WWE like the least unless it's a pay-per-view day truthfully um but yeah, uh, no, no big time plugs this week. Just, uh, make sure to check out the Double or Nothing review as well, uh, whenever that comes out with, uh, Dylan and Sandre, cause I'm sure they'll absolutely kill it. Yeah, that'll be out Monday. Uh, you know, the, the Norway time zone is going to be a little rough, I think, <laughs> to, to get that on right after, but, uh, that'll be out Monday for sure. Uh, just go there. It'll be up there for everybody. Like you said, it's kind of like a part two to the episode or special episodes. But love doing the show reviews. It gives us a great streamline and a lot of fun for me to talk to you about. And love hearing your opinions as well, Scott. You had great opinions. And uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed the show as well. A lot to look forward to in the world of WWE and all of wrestling. You can follow me at Viva underscore zero. 
Uh, I'm the same way. I, you know, I love talking about all kinds of wrestling. So anything you want to talk about, just message me, whatever. Uh, I, I'm all about it. Uh, but I, I, we were both tweeting during the show as well uh, this week. So pay-per-views will definitely be on the WWE scale. And I, I may try to do a little bit more uh, with some of the weekly shows. We'll, we'll see how it goes going, going along. Because sometimes I do have to not watch it live, watch it later. So I can fast forward through commercials and all that stuff <laughs> going on there. You know, nobody likes that. But regardless, lots of cool stuff going on in the world of WWE and the world of wrestling in general. So uh, keep your eyes peeled. Check out some other wrestling if you can, if you have the time to. And if not, enjoy what we got with WWE. I thought they had a pretty good show. And hopefully they continue this role going forward uh, with the big show for Money in the Bank, which is going to be a huge spectacle, no doubt for sure. Uh, with that said, though, thank you guys all for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, keep checking us out. Check out Five Star Network and all the shows on there. Check us out on YouTube. Check us out on thecagematch.net. Uh, everywhere you want to find your podcast, we are there. So thank you guys so much. And until next time, this has been your Wrestle Update.